For as long as I've known the NBA, it's been a stars league. But even among the stars, there's an exclusive club. Russell, Dr. J, Jordan, Kobe. They're all part of a select group that paved the way for the NBA superstar of today. And some even shared secrets with each other along the way. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Jackie McMullen, and this is the Icons Club. This episode is brought to you by Maybelline New York. Get ready to bring the heat with Maybelline's newest lip plumping gloss, Lifter Plump. Fair warning though, it's hot. Like, literally. It's formulated with chili peppers to bring a heated sensation and an instant plumping effect that lasts. Available in eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Hot Honey, and more. Buy Lifter Plump now on Amazon and use the code 10PLUMP to get 10% off for a limited time. Tap the banner to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive that sets the pace and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that throws you one moment and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability, no system. No matter how advanced can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions, always drive safely. You might hear Go Canes. It's on in the background. Miami's currently winning 11 to 10. I, I, I can't help myself. If the Canes get to the Final Four while we're broadcasting Ringer F1 show, then it becomes also a Canes Final Four show. I'm sorry. I did not sign up for that. That was, that was the rules. It's in the fine print. Read the fine print. There was no fine print. Whoever just asked if Toto Wolf was Mike McCarthy, that made me really upset. <laughs> I understand it, though, right? I know what they're getting at. I, I know what they're getting at. I feel like right now he's more Bill Belichick, though. Like, he's in his you know, post Brady slump years, but it's like post or, you know, like the new regulations, like now, you know, he's, he's coming from behind now when he's been the winner all along. Does that make, is that a better comparison? Yes. Yes, it, it is. Um, all right, let's get started. This is a live ringer F1 show. It's the first post race show we've ever had. Um, what a race to start off with. Um, part of, of what we're trying to do here at the Ringer F1 show is is build a community of people who are kind of on the same journey as you and I, Jess. Um, we met at a Panera four years ago in Minneapolis. And if you had told either of us that we'd be together on an F1 podcast, we'd probably have some follow-up questions. I would say, what is F1? Also, I forgot that we met at the Panera at the Mall of America. That is a great callback. Thank you for reminding me. How do you not remember that? I was having lunch with Jason Gallagher. I'm not even sure why. Were we both at a Panera eating independently? I think we were. I was with Charlotte Wilder, and I think I blocked out that entire week of my life because I was so cold. Okay, <laughs> just stay indoors. Um, that, that's the key to Minneapolis in February. All right, so we're going to get to it. Max Verstappen had an incredible, thrilling race. And, and one of the things, guys, about if you're new to Formula One or this is the first, you know, you're, you're watching it live, like some people at the Ringer, this is not normal. You're, you're being spoiled. The regulations are, are really, really incredible. Um, and they've, they've changed everything about this sport. So we're going to get to our winners and losers, and then we're going to go through a bunch of questions, do a live mailbag. Um, obviously, the winner of the race is Max Verstappen, but there's so many nuances to what we just saw in Saudi Arabia. Jessica, where do you start? Um, so sh- should I give you some winners, or should we do? are you redoing like a little quick, quick thoughts first? <laughs> Well, let's do all right. We'll, we'll start with the quick thought. What's your big takeaway right now? 
that was a really exciting race. I, I was, you know, nervous going into it because this track is so fast. And yesterday after seeing Mick Schumacher had that huge accident. I was nervous that there would be more contact, but there were, I think, five, four or five cars that were retired, but no like major incidents. So that was good. And there was just, it, it was a kind of a follow up to last week in Bahrain with really solid overtaking and lead changes throughout mm-hmm. the entire race. It was awesome. Yeah. I mean, this was, this was pure racing. And that's, that's, I, I don't know if you can get any better than that. Um, from, you know, a, a, a plucky upstart like Mercedes really gave it a go. Um, I thought that was that was good to see. Uh, were you upset when you, you saw the tweet that said Hamilton can't get around, around Lance Stroll? That did make me upset. I just felt that it was gratuitous. It's a tough time. It's a tough time for Merck, and we'll probably get into them uh, during our losers thing. Um, what's your first winner, Jess? My first winner is... Uh... Baby Lando, Lando Norris from McLaren. He got McLaren's first points of the season. Daniel Ricciardo, unfortunately, his car was retired as part of that late uh, yellow flag safety car later in the race. But Lando Norris was able to finish almost in sixth place. He was like 0.1 seconds off of uh, Esteban Ocon at the finish line. So that was a really great comeback for Lando Norris. I think he was like P11 in qualifying. So he was able to go up four spots and compared to last weekend where McLaren got no points, I thought that that was a little bit more of what he was, uh, how he was racing and finishing in 2021. So he's my big winner. Ricardo loses his drive, retires, and there were a, a handful of retirements that we'll get to later here. Is it panic time for, for, for big Daniel? I do feel like things just aren't going his way, but he had that glorious win in Monza last year that I'm like, he, if he could just do that again, like it's not all lost. Like, he's still a good driver. I don't know what's going on with his car though. I don't know what's going on with McLaren in general. I just feel, I feel very bad for him. I agree. And it was good to see, to see Lando get some momentum. Cause I was getting worried for McLaren as a team. And, and this to me, um, this to me was a nice little bounce back weekend. All right. My first winner is Red Bull in general. Because I think that they needed to establish them, themselves this weekend. And Checo getting pole was amazing when Checo is not known as a great qualifier. But then beyond that, this first stop and win. It establishes, I think, I think there was such a chaos in the title race picture that I actually didn't know what to expect. When Leclerc was, was, was winning uh, earlier in this race, I, I actually briefly wondered if Ferrari was going to run away with this thing this year. And to see the drama at the end um, and, and the, the DRS and how important that was, I realized something maybe in the last 10 laps, and maybe I should have realized it last race as well, that this is going to be an incredibly emotional title race because of how packed together everybody is. And because of you saw last week, it looked like Ferrari was in Max's head a little bit and you saw him get angry. They both locked up today on lap 44. Um, you saw the battle at the 42nd lap and obviously the 47th lap and then the double yellow at 48th because they're going to be going back and forth. And it looks like it's going to be Red Bull and Ferrari kind of separating themselves from the pack with the history that those two guys have from their karting days. And you can go look that up. It's, it's some incredible videos, but from the, from the history that those guys have, the way these cars have been developed, the narrative of the season and the fact that they're just going to be going back and forth on lap 42 of every single race. I don't think, I think this has the chance to be almost, almost as emotional as last year. Am I wrong, Jess? I don't think anything will be as emotional as last year, but I think it is a huge uh, opportunity for Daniel or for um, Max Verstappen to 
kind of like win a, I don't want to say legitimate championship, but like I was listening to bubble title. He got, he won a bubble title. I was, well, I was listening to spanners on your last episode of the ringer up one show and, and he called it an asterisk championship. So I feel like if someone who's been watching F1 for like, you know, 30 years can call it that I can probably call it that too. So yeah, I think he kind of wants to like win it outright, not have the drama on the last lap of the final race and just be able to prove that he is actually the best driver on the grid. And he, he probably is like the best driver on the grid, if not like top two or top three right now. So uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's going to be hugely emotional, but I don't know if it's going to compare to, to last season. We'll see about that. I mean, it would have to be in order for it to reach the heights of last season, something ha- crazy would have to happen in the last race of the season. That, that was unparalleled. But I'm saying from a week in, week, week out standpoint, we could see that sort of drama. Um, Max whining at everything. Are you tired of it already in week two? No, I love it. I mean, because you could see like how desperate he is in every race by like how much how in just crazy his radio messages are getting and like how like he was complaining about Leclerc passing uh, the like crossing over the white line, the pit lane line. He complained about that twice. At, at least they showed on the broadcast twice in today's race. And I read someone's tweet that like that's been happening all weekend in F2. Right. And no one's gotten penalized for that. So it's kind of like it sounded like it was a little bit of a petty complaint, but I love that he's just calling out everyone for every little thing that he thinks could give him the slightest advantage. It makes it so, so much more exciting to listen to how just like absolutely crazy his messages are and how much he's freaking out in every single turn. I mean, the race engineers have to get annoyed, right? I mean, yeah, I don't know. You, you probably, I mean, it's the tax. It's the tax you pay for having Max Verstappen. Right. Is that he comes on the radio and complains. It's fine. Um, who, who's your next winner, Jess? My next winner? Oof. Um, I don't, I guess Ferrari. Is, can they both yeah. be my winner? Because like, um, yes. Last week, everyone was saying that Ferrari was back and it was like 2016 when Texas and Notre Dame played <laughs> into double overtime and everyone's like, Texas and Notre Dame are Texas, they're both back. They're going to meet again in the national championship. They went on to win like a combined six games that season. Yep. So it's like, okay, well, Ferrari might be back, but I think now we can say definitively Ferrari is back. Like the, the they both, you know, Leclerc and Saints both finished in the, in the, on the podium and Leclerc was very close to winning his second race in a row, in a row. So yeah, I think Ferrari's definitely definitively back. They're my second winner after, oh, after baby Lando. I agree. And I, I would have loved to have seen, Leclerc win this, but on the other hand, like I, I agree with you in that definitively declaring that you're back is actually a kind of a victory in itself, and that this is going to be an all year long thing. We know, we know that Red Bull is probably going to have better in season upgrades as the year goes along, but we also know it looks like Ferrari's car is really good. They are they have an engine advantage, certainly over Mercedes at this point, and I am starting to think that the, 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 the car is such that they can, they can sustain this the entire season. And then it's going to come down to kind of like we talked about a minute ago, one or two breaks at the end of the season. Um, do you want to get upset about Mercedes? Yeah. Well, can I give my, my first loser? Oh, yes. I, I assumed it was going to be Mercedes. I didn't know someone lost more than Mercedes. It's actually Sergio Perez. <laughs> with the timing of his 
first pit was so just devastating. And Ferrari, like, credit to them on that fake pit stop. I, I saw someone on Twitter compare it to Kenny Pickett's fake slide. <laughs> the, uh, the Sun Bowl or Citrus Bowl, whatever bowl game they were in this year. Um, and I, I really like that comparison. And so, yeah, Sergio Perez goes in to pit. And then, of course, Latifi hits the wall in the very next uh, second. And the safety car comes out. I'm getting tired of Latifi. Is Latifi the most powerful person in Formula One? Who determines wins and losses more efficiently and more often than, than Nicholas Latifi? I feel like it's Michael Massey and then Nicholas Latifi. So I think Latifi definitely has the edge this season since he's actually still uh, part of the race weekend. <laughs> I, I agree. Checo had some bad luck this weekend. I mean, he did get the pole. He was the first Mexican driver ever to get the pole, um, which is admirable. And again, he's not known for his qualifying um, pace. But I, uh, I, I actually didn't expect him to win this race. Um, and, and the fact that he had that bad luck on, with the safety car, uh, again, unfortunate, but I, I just didn't really expect a whole lot from him. And I think his, his weekend overall was, uh, was, was admirable. Um, all right, Merck. So the most, so I, I was going through the last couple of, um, the last decade of Hamilton and it's really incredible the consistency that they've had. So obviously going into this race, this was the first time since the 2013 Italian Grand Prix that a Mercedes-powered car was not in the top five. He was in a duel with Lance Stroll. He was in a duel with Magnussen, where he was struggling with Hamilton, obviously. Um, in 2009, when Hamilton was driving for, for a McLaren Mercedes, uh, he didn't have a podium until the 10th race. And they ended up turning that car into a race winner. But before their win, it was the first podium. He finished ninth, 12th, 13th, 18th, 18th, and then first in Hungary. Um, you're seeing the kind of frustrations that I don't think most people who've tuned into F1 over the past five years have ever seen from him um, or seven years. And you're seeing little mistakes, the strategy stuff, the, the too late to box on lap 38 uh, was just a complete disaster. But I think that he can turn this into a positive season. I don't think he can do anything close to competing with the front of the, the pack anytime soon. Am I wrong about this? I, I, mean, I, I just think you, you can write them off, basically. Well, I heard, I heard on your podcast that Mercedes has better like in-season technical support than any yeah, of the other teams. I, yeah, but they would have to add in. I, I, yes, that's, that's correct. And, and Spanners and some other folks have talked about that. Matthew Summerfield's been on this podcast. But I think that they would need... Such huge. I mean, it would be like saying, "Well, you know, the 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 Dolphins have re- have the ability to get better at the trade deadline, but they just need to add Patrick Mahomes, right?" Like that's it, it's 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 a pretty huge gulf, I think. That's true. Okay. Well, I I don't know. I'm not going to write them off yet. I mean, George Russell was like very comfortably in fifth place in this entire race. Like he he basically didn't do anything and didn't have to do anything. Um, and still got you know solid points from it. So I don't know. I'm not I'm not ready to write off Mercedes. Um, we have a comment from Rick that says Latifi is a bigger embarrassment to Canada than Nickelback. Let's not say things you can't take back. That's devastating. That's a bad one. Um, all right. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the Mercedes thing, it's, it's hugely baffling because of everything that we heard and not just, I, I, I don't want to overdo the Netflix of the sport and just all the narrative that's come from there. But Toto being in a a big chunky sweater and saying everybody has a target on their back next year and then coming in and just laying up brick after brick and testing and qualifying and now two races 
it is, it, it's an all-time F1 flop. And I thought that they had some, some quiet confidence because they knew that when the regulations came in, they'd, they'd put so many resources to this. And the fact that even in qualifying yesterday, I mean, th- that, that car, Hamilton's car was moving like, like a Jeep or something in the straights. It just wasn't doing anything. And so I, I was, uh, I, I'm, I'm baffled. And I just don't know, I don't know where you go from. I think they'll figure something out to the point that Hamilton won, win a race this year. Um, but I don't think it's going to be enough for him to get to the front of the pack. So, um, all right. Any other, uh, any other big picture things that, that uh, you want to talk about before we talk about the race and Saudi Arabia and all that stuff? I mean, I, why did, how did so many cars end up retiring on this circuit today? What, like, how did, how did that happen? How many cars was it? Was it six? There, we were down to 14 cars at the end, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Um, th- I, yeah, not, yeah. I mean, that's, that was, uh, so Botas was out, Ricardo was out. Um, obviously, Mick Schumacher and Sonoda did not start the race. Um, so, I mean, I, it was, uh, it, it was a strange, strange race. And I think that you'll see that sort of inconsistency throughout the first part of the season, probably because of the regulations and just because there are, you know, you saw Red Bull, one of the most reliable teams in the history of the sport going out last week. So I think we'll just probably, we'll probably see this. Um, any other teams jump out at you? Uh, I'm watching the, I'm still watching the broadcast right now. And that turn towards the end when, um, Leclerc and Verstappen both locked up going around that turn and Leclerc just took the lead right ahead of Verstappen. That was awesome. It was amazing. It was some of the best racing I've seen in a long time. I mean, well, since the last race last year, but uh, Verstappen coming out of uh, safety cars. Is Verstappen going to get punched at some point? He's an annoying driver. Yeah, but like it works to his advantage because I think, you know, he's able to... I, I don't know. Like he's just able to get under everyone's skin and, mm-hmm. and like piss people off. And I think that that's like a really good thing when you're in this competitive of a sport, but there, there definitely is one there. I'll think about it. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot. I mean, guys just, I mean, first of all, I've heard this about the NFL that like, if you got the raw audio feed of an NFL game, like, you know, the mic'd ups, those are heavily You'd never be allowed to go to touch. Yes. Well, yeah, so like if you were able to get the raw mic'd up footage, it would be, those are heavily edited when they see the light of day. If it was raw, it would be like a national scandal. Like one game, just pick a game at random. If, if, like, if you were to hear the things. And so it's like the fact that Verstappen is on the radio complaining and all that stuff, like it's actually a little bit tame in comparison to other sports when you're like trying to get under people's skin and saying, hey, is that legal? Or he's driving over the... Is he Eli Apple? No, he's much better than Eli Apple. But I mean, in terms of like getting under everyone, Latifi, Latifi is Eli Apple. Okay. <laughs> Just disaster after disaster. <laughs> Shouldn't be out there. Um, I'm trying to think of, of, of who can get, who can get uh, under people's skin, but is also effective in the NFL. Um, Lucas says Chris Paul. Ooh. That's pretty good. I think that, that that's probably the best, the best analogy I can think of. Reggie Miller's. Good is a, a good analogy. <laughs> Eli Apple is, 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 it breaks down when you realize that Verstappen has any talent whatsoever. Sergio Ramos, Ray Lewis has been thrown out. Marshall Henderson, which is not, I'm not, I'm not respecting that take. Pat Beverly, but good. That's a good one. Uh, and then, but good. I think my analogy still holds up. Pat Bev? You don't, okay, Eli Apple, well, Eli Apple and Pat Bev are kind of similar. 
I think. Um, and then Conor McGregor is is the last one. Um, someone else threw out Pat Bev, but good. What a strange coincidence that was. Um, all right, yeah. I mean, this is this is pure racing, and and I loved it. Um, so actually, thirteen cars just finished the race. Um, Stroll was thirteenth, and he was he was last. Hulkenberg twelfth. Uh, the order, just so everybody knows, it went Verstappen, Leclerc, Sainz, Checo, George Russell, Ocon, Lando, Gasly, Magnussen, and Hamilton. Is Haas just all the way back? I I mean they're like halfway back because they still like Mick Schumacher has hasn't didn't even get to race today but I mean I I literally watched like the back of his car break in half yesterday when they put it on the crane it was nasty but yeah I mean Magnussen is a really good driver and they he's consistently you know gotten points the last two weekends and he clearly was holding off like Hamilton for a bit today so yeah I I think I think Haas is halfway back. Um, all right. So by the way, we're going to try to take some calls. I've never done this before. As I said earlier, like the MMA guys do it. Jastrzemski does it. Like we're just going to try. And if you're weird, we'll just ignore you and move on. Um, but hopefully we can get some actual like uh, some good, good back and forth here going. Um, all right. Do you want to talk about the actual we the logistics of the weekend and what a complete disaster this was for the sport? Sure. I'd love to. <laughs> <laughs> for this race, which in which I was like reading about just things that I have never considered before uh, leading up to the sporting event. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. This episode is brought to you by Viore. If you're sick and tired of your old traditional workout gear, then I have two words that will change everything. Viore clothing. This line of active wear is truly unbelievable. And here's why. Look, You've seen me. You've seen the shorts I do on YouTube. I walk around. I do stuff. I listen to podcasts when I walk. I make calls when I walk. I like to wear comfortable workout equipment, you know, like nothing nuts, just like a really nice pullover, comfortable pants to walk around. Viore is designed to work out in whatever you're doing, but it doesn't look or feel like you're working out at all. It's so freaking soft and comfortable. You'll never want to take it off. And here's the best part. You don't have to take it off. Wear Viore clothing to train, travel, or lounge around the house. I do a lot of lounge around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viore.com slash ringer. V-U-O-R-I dot com slash ringer. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, It's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes 
you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Um, so on Friday, there was a attack on an Aramco depot near the track. There was a four-hour meeting in which it appeared that the F1 bosses had to convince the drivers to, to actually race. Um, there were some extremely strange arguments. One of the arguments I saw from the Saudi Arabian government was that uh, this happens all the time. It's fine, which is not the argument I think that they think they're making. Um, and that there's a missile defense system uh, that, that, was, that would be nearby. Um, saw some F1 Reporters tweet that out that that was that was part of their argument is that that your safety is guaranteed. Don't don't really know about that. Um, beyond that, the track itself is extremely dangerous. It's extremely and some you know I heard some drivers talking about some of the blind corners and just the speed of it in general and and how it's totally different to navigate. Um, you think what about just this entire race weekend and Saudi Arabia's future in Formula One, Jess? Oh, that's a that's a question above my pay grade. But <laughs> I know that Formula One has like a 15 year contract with Saudi Arabia. And I think Lewis Hamilton has probably been the most outspoken driver in, in terms of like bringing attention to Saudi Arabia's civil rights, or uh, I guess, humanitarian rights records and talking about it up to the race. But I guess like, I don't know how you put the toothpaste back in the tube. Like this is now the second race there, I believe. Is that right? Mm-hmm. There was one last year contract and it seemed like all of the drivers were like super uncomfortable this weekend but i don't know yeah i don't know where you how you go from here i I, and also i mean like they just broke the russian contract so it's not like uh, there's going to be outs there if if they wanted to and and that that if if the drivers basically said no more uh i don't i don't think that they would they would go back there um all right let's uh Let's let's take some questions. Here's here's one question from Mitchell. Jess, how long does it take to write the average F1 minute? I mean, usually I just jot down some notes during the race, but um, you know, it's it's only a minute. So I try to cram as much in as I can, and it usually just is the basics, like who overtook who, when were the pits, uh, stuff like that. So not very long. I would say maybe 10 minutes tops. And then no one can really even hear what I say because I say it so quickly. So it's all good. Um, Alpine providing 20 laps of entertainment was amazing. Oh, that was great. I, I was sad when that ended. So, and I also was sad when Fernando Alonso had to retire his car because I'm like, all of that for nothing. Like, do you think he overheated his uh, car by trying to duel his uh, his teammate the entire first 20 laps? Yes. And it was worth it. Yeah, I don't know. Probably. It was fun, um, though. If you were the team principal of Alpine, would you have said something or would you, would you have been like Otmar and just, uh, and just kind of stood back and said, whatever? I liked what he said on the radio to Crofty. He was like, yeah, it's fun, but like, they're going to stop soon. And then they kind of, (laughs) they kind of did. And all, but all they ran out of, of juice, but they also, they were like, well, shouldn't, shouldn't they be helping the team? And he was like, well, they will. That's kind of vague. It was very vague, but I thought it was funny. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I just think I love, I mean, Alonzo has never been an amazing teammate. Um, and I don't, I, I, but I actually like that out of him in the mid pack. 
where I mean, they're, they're, again, I hate to bring this up, but again, because I bring it up all the time, there's a, a, a net reality show that's before Netflix about McLaren, and uh, I think it's called Grand Prix Driver, and Alonzo's in it. He's one of the drivers with Stuffle Van Doren is the other one, and Alonzo. I don't. Him and Kimmy have have had a contest over the past decade to give less of a shit about Formula One racing while being one of the best drivers in the world, and it's really incredible. Um, all right, let's take a call from Anastasia and see how it goes. Hi. Hi. What's your question? Oh, I was just wondering. So I've never watched any Formula Formula okay. One races before, and I was wondering what's the best way to get into Formula One. Should I just watch the Netflix series, or just start by watching the races on Sunday? And hi, Smitty. I'm so glad you get more than a minute in this platform. I'm a huge Levitard Show fan. Oh, that's very nice. Um, Jess, where, where would you start? Thank you for the question. I started with Drive to Survive. Uh, Kevin, you've been a F1 fan much longer than I have, but I started with Drive to Survive, like I guess almost exactly a year ago, right before the 2021 season started. And then I started watching the races to like supplement what I was watching on the show. Both very different experiences. Like watching, watching the races is really, really fun. So I think maybe a little bit of both, but I, I don't, I haven't heard someone watch, like go back and watch earlier seasons of Drive to Survive and complain about it. So that might be a good starting point. So I agree. I, I think it's a good way to just get to know the basics of it and just get to know who the drivers are. What the, I mean, obviously if you watch season one, you think Danny Ricardo is the best driver of all time. So that might be a little bit of a, of a distraction. But I would say generally, if you watch the show, you won't get a lot of the nuances of the sport that comes later. You're not going to get any, you're not going to get the nuances of any sport from any one product. Um, so I would watch the show and I, I, I actually probably would go back to season one just to get everything. And it's, it's only eight to 10 episodes every single time. So it's not, not that big of a deal. And then just like the internet is, is a wonderful place for F1. That's not always the case for a lot of different sports. Um, like with the NFL, it's really, really hard to figure out like what, YouTube channels to watch or like what, what Twitter accounts or whatever subreddits, whatever, but like the F1 subreddit is amazing. YouTube, like there's amazing content on F1 YouTube. Uh, not only the, the official YouTube, but then kind of content creators who break down the tracks and all that stuff. So it's uh it, it it's a pretty, I would say that the more time you put into it, obviously like anything, the better it's going to be. But I think there's a ton of resources and even just going back and watching 1998 at spa or whatever, like that can be extremely fruitful and you, and you can learn a lot. And one thing about F1 that, that, that I love, Jess, is that you can get into it and just be like, Oh, I like, I like Lewis Hamilton or, and you know, and I like, I like watching him race in Monaco, or you can be like, I'm going to figure out what, what's wrong with Alpine's rear wing. And you can get into it in any other level besides that, um, between that. So I think it's, it's fascinating and you just, you know, you put in the time and, and, and everything, everything is understood pretty easily. Yeah. It's a lot, it's a lot like watching football or really like any other sport. You can get into X's and O's and like, you know, technical analysis of it, or you can kind of dip your toes in that and just pay attention to the characters and the teams and the rivalries. So it really is like a choose your own adventure. And I don't think there's a wrong way to, to get into it. It's just a lot, a lot of fun really like to get to know the drivers and their histories. And then, yeah, like one thing that's been fun too, is like going back and watching like old F1 movies and documentaries and stuff like that's I don't have like any historical knowledge of F1 but that's been really interesting because it just like looks so different now and so it's so interesting to see how much it's changed yes absolutely um all right let's see a call from Jareen hi Jareen what's going on thanks for taking my question of course there is like now this huge groundswell obviously in 
the States with regards to the F1 fandom. And we're talking about adding Las Vegas next year, in addition to obviously Miami in May. Um, how are you feeling about making the United States like a huge chunk of the calendar if, uh, if that's the case? <laughs> that's a great question. Jess, what do you think? As, as someone who lives in Miami and is going to have a home race in what, six weeks? How do you feel about this? Well, first of all, I don't know if I'm even going to be able to go to that race. Like, I, I'm still trying to figure out how I can even get like credentialed or. I, wait, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna solve your problem right now. I was driving down the turnpike in Miami uh, two days ago, and the tracks right there. Just pay like a hundred dollars in tolls, and just keep driving on the turnpike over and over and over again, and you'll see about a quarter of the race. That's a really good idea. Yeah, I don't know if I'm even going to be able to go because like these races now are so popular and especially somewhere like Miami where there's so much international traffic and Vegas is probably pretty similar. Um, The demand for tickets is going to be crazy high. So it's, you know, I think like one of the reasons that I, I was attracted to F1 initially was because of how cool and different the locations felt of all the races. Like, oh, wow, like... I didn't know what Monaco looked like until now. I'm like, oh, that's now they're in Belgium. That's so interesting. And now they're here. Now they're there. And now I'm like, I'm Vegas and Miami. Like, I don't know. That doesn't sound very exciting to me, but I think it will be great. Um, Obviously, like F1 wants to expand its fan base, right? And so putting more races in the US is a really great way to do that for them and make more money. So I guess uh, it, it is what it is. I hope, you know, American fans are able to still go to races though. Like, you know, Austin until last year, I think seemed pretty, I don't know, Kevin, correct me if I'm wrong. It seemed like it was pretty accessible. If you, if you like wanted yeah. to do one race yes. a year, you could go feasibly. And then last year there were, you Mex- know, Mexico as well. I mean, these weren't cheap. These weren't cheap at all by any means. It was, it wasn't, you pay 20 bucks and you go, but it was still, you could, you could roll up and, and buy a ticket, um, you know, sometime before it wasn't $8,000 and it wasn't sold out, you know, the, the day tickets went on sale. <laughs> what do you how do you feel about it because you've been a fan I, for like five years now yeah i'm a, yeah, make it sound, yeah i've been a, it, most people have been a fan for 30 years i've been for five years which makes me an, an, an american veteran um but no i mean listen there's been a huge in all seriousness there's been a huge f1 contingent in america far before me and even going back to the kind of the speed network days um it, it's it's there's a reason there was a race to begin with i mean it was in indianapolis before in the 80s there was a race in vegas to begin with that all the drivers hated um i think there was a race in 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 long beach at one point as well um but i i think that it's okay as long as there's a there remains an air of exclusivity to the races um you don't want to abandon never formula one's heartbeat is the summer swing in europe right and you don't want to abandon that or, you know, I saw a thing the other day that maybe they could expand to 30 races. At some point, it just becomes a lot less interesting. And you got to there's a reason the NFL will expand to 17 weeks but or 17 games, but not 20. Right. And it, trust me, it's not about health and safety because they barely they barely care about. That. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm mean, like, it, it, I, I think at some point the NFL understands that they and these are, they expanded the playoffs and all that stuff. But they, they understand that the reason that it's popular is that there's a four month period where every Sunday, you know, to watch football. And if you expanded that by one month, uh, I, at some point that becomes diminishing returns. Uh, all right. I'm going to take, let's take a question from Kellen. And uh, by the way, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm asking these at, or taking these at random. So if there's no meritocracy here. I'm just kind of picking names. Hi, Kellen. 
Hey, thanks for taking my question. Of course. What's up? So the question that I have, I watch Drive to Survive every season, but didn't really get into the live races until the tail end of last year. And the main thing that I'm trying to figure out is sort of the unwritten rules that seem to be there. So you guys mentioned how Max was just up on the the virtual safety car instances. He really plays this weird game of chicken. And the commentators at one point were like saying, like, you're in the lead now, Max, you need to back up. And there's these instances that the tail end of last year, the last race of last year, actually, when he did the same kind of thing with Lewis. Uh, I'm just wondering how many rules are there like that in instances that you guys can recall when this comes up? Because it, it really is one of the most interesting parts of the sport to me. And it came up today, too, just with the virtual safety car and, and things like that, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a great question. Um, it's like anything. There are unwritten rules, and but also you don't know about them until they they pop up if that makes sense um like i mean some of these are just are just written rules or they're actually go ahead go ahead a good example would be like in saudi arabia in 2020 yes that's exactly what i was gonna bring up yeah max had to give his the lead back to hamilton and then kind of like checked his brakes and hamilton like busted his front wing on the back of max's car you, you can you can explain what happened there but there there are like a few weird things like that where you know you're supposed to give a certain like car length and and some of them are rules i guess but the interpretation could be like a little bit different from driver to driver one one unwritten rule i think is to not do what george russell did last year which is um go up to botas and just start screaming at him right after an accident and just not before not checking if he's okay also the other the other the genre of that is max not checking if lewis was okay i actually do think that's that's a pretty big unwritten rule is just make sure that that before you start yelling at someone that they're that they're okay, um, Lewis um, Lewis celebrating after Silverstone like really rubbed Max the wrong way because Max had to yes. you know, leave that race and was at I think he was like in the medical tent or something the F one equivalent of the blue tent um, and so he, Max felt that that was like some sort of unwritten rule that Hamilton was doing a you know a victory lap basically after knocking him out of the race. Um, all right. Anything else? What What are our takeaways going into to Australia at this point? Ooh, um, my takeaway is that uh, this Ferrari and Red Bull are going to be battling out for number one, and I don't know who the number three team is. It might okay. be it might be Mercedes. It might be anyone else. It might be Alpine. <laughs> might be Alpine if they, if they ever harness their energy towards uh, actually. They have. That's it. That's, it's, it's, it's happening. Um, I would say that I have, a, I have a take that I'm going to unveil. It's either the dumbest take in the world or the most genius take in the world. And it's that this was the most sweeping regulation change in the last 40 years. And it's produced amazing racing. But at some point, teams are going to figure it out. And we're going to, I know there's the, the, the spending cap and all that stuff, but teams are going to figure it out. There's going to be some regularity and we're not going to have this tight of racing, I don't know, three years from now. My new take is that we should just do insane sweeping regulation changes all the time. Mm, okay. So next year, three wheels. Yeah, three wheels. Three wheels. Just just get it going. Like, I think that that's, that's uh, I don't mean like literally like every year doesn't need to be the biggest in 40 years, but enough to where there's a ton of, of um, parity, at least in the beginning of the season, every single time until, until they figure it out. That's my free idea. I like that idea. And maybe in like five seasons, we'll just do like an esports uh, grid with all of these drivers, but it's just all, you know, video game. That would be fun. 
Would there be more? Would would uh would McC- would Ricardo figure that out at some point? I think Lando Norris would easily crush that. Like he, I mean, if we went all virtual, I think Lando would be number. Well, actually, Charles is pretty good at that too. McLaren might be that. That would be fun. That would be a Ferrari McLaren battle right there. Um, just the young, they're just a bunch of zoomers. The only people who understand how to race on a simulator. Um, I guess, they, I guess they all do, but they're not actually trying to win the race. They're actually just trying to get better. Um, unless you're a zoomer. Um, all right, Jessica Smetana. Thank you so much. Is the F1 minute going as scheduled tomorrow? We'll see. Uh, we'll see if Dan lets me do it. <laughs> awesome. I'm like, Hey, by the way, I have an F1 minute today. And then so- somehow suspiciously we finished the show and no one has brought it up since. Um, by the way, we're getting some uh, some reports that Max is amazing at, at simula- simulation racing. Wow, that's a bummer. Yeah, so he would it would just be the same. Literally, it would be the same results we saw today. <laughs> Probably. Um, uh, I have one more question from Mitchell, and this is a good one. Um, which driver would you want a signed and framed Vanity fo- Vanity Fair photo shoot picture of? Me? No, remember that all all of the all of the drivers took those Vanity Fair. Uh, photo shoots which one should which one should we get autographed and and sent to us well someone actually a fan actually sent a forged autograph of lando norris from that photo shoot to our studio recently so i guess i already have that one i think my what one would be daniel ricardo in his pink silk suit what someone forged lando's signature and sent it to you yeah did they say this is forged or did they say i i made i got lando to sign this for you and they're just lying I don't know, actually. I, I don't remember what the note said. I think... Yeah, I, w- I, wouldn't, I wouldn't look too deeply on it. No, I'm not. I'm going to just pretend it's real. It's funny that, like, Lando Norris would sign a piece of, like, printer paper of a photo of him and wouldn't just, like, spend the extra, you know, 80 cents on glossy photo paper, but I don't, I don't ask questions. By the way, Pierre Gasly's the answer. <laughs> All right, so... Thanks everybody. Um, this was great. We we loved this this uh, format. This is such a cool community that's being built up. The numbers. I was worried there were going to be like five people in here. The numbers are exceeding my expectations. Um, thank you guys so much, and we'll see you. So the next race is at one a.m. Um, and I don't think that there's going to be a ton Eastern time. I don't think there's going to be a ton of volunteers to either listen to or do the green room at three in the morning, East coast. Um, so we'll figure it out. Uh, and we'll have an announcement on that, but appreciate you. This has been the ringer F1 show. The first ever live ringer F1 show on the ringer podcast. Network. Thanks guys. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.